Today's scripture comes from Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 21. And it's on page 838 of the Pew Bibles. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, and Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. This is the word of God. We're continuing in our series through the Gospel of Mark um, that we've called um, The Incomparable Jesus. This is a, this is seems to be a rather simple passage. Jesus, everybody knows, had disciples, and then some he called, you know, the, then they have this odd word that we called um, apostles. I'll tell you a little bit about that. And seems like one of these religious things, right? Um, Jesus, some great leader of some sort, uh, starting some kind of movement. And um, he calls these guys. But um, there's, a, there's this odd twist there at the, at the end. And it's this that he seems to be doing something that seems to make sense, but it doesn't make sense. And in fact, it's actually quite outrageous. And um, even to his own family, and they think he's nuts. You guys catch that? Everything seems perfectly normal, right? Isn't Jesus a great leader? And great leaders call people to follow. But um, the people who know him best think he's crazy. So what the heck is going on in this passage? The Bible has all these um, things like this that seem to seem, that seems kind of, kind of normal, I think. It seems normal. And then in one or two little verses, teaches you something that there's a lot more going on here than whatever we already perceive to be so-called normal. Okay? Um, the, in this message, I've entitled The Subversive Calling. Right? Part one, subversion and priority. Subversion and priority. Part two, he calls you by name. That's what we see in this passage. Um, his calling is not to, just to a general set of people, but he calls you by name. And part three, I want to close by talking about the worthy and trustworthy calling of the very personal God. The worthy and trustworthy calling of the very personal God. Uh, let's start part one, uh, subversion and priority. Subversion, that's not really a word we use every day, is it? <laughs> but when I read this passage, and it starts off with Jesus calling, that's, that's what it says. He went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and then they came. That's what, that's what it says, he called. So he just called out to specific people, 
and then it goes on and tells you who those guys were. And, and then it's kind of bracket on the back end, but he's nuts. <laughs> he's nuts. What is this? And it's not just anybody who's saying he's nuts. It's his very own family thinking he's crazy. Um, what does subversion mean? It's from the word subvert. And subvert, uh, it, it literally means to undermine or to overthrow. You, you typically tend to hear it in, uh, in, in context of like politics. Um, you know, the government doesn't like subversives. They're the ones in control. They're the ones that are trying to shape our society to be a certain kinds of way. And so if you have some other agenda that seems to undermine their power or their institution or their values, you're subverting. Um, if uh, mom and dad want you to do their homework, but every single, like you, you're, you know, you're, let's say you're the oldest child, and then you have a, a plan to um, figure out how to get your, you know, your younger siblings to um, lie to mom and dad and not do their homework, or let's just say fool mom and dad, all right? Um, then guess what? Your oldest child is, is, is a subversive. Um, this series is called The Incomparable Jesus. And uh, it seems like a strange thing, but Jesus, everybody always thinks of him as nice. Everybody always sees him as kind. And because, I mean, a guy who can heal those who are lepers or those who are blind and then hangs out with the poorest, most wretched people in society, obviously, his tremendous kindness and mercy, right? But, um, you know, he, he's also disturbing, <laughs> He is, uh, he, he is offensive. He, um, he causes people in his own family to think he's crazy. <laughs> and what's he, what, what is going on here? He's starting a movement, and he's doing things that um, don't make sense. <laughs> you know, in our whole life, um, everybody, there's a, you know, you're just born into an order. Um, there's all kinds of callings on your life. So there, here, there's a calling. But do you know that everybody has all, all kinds of calling on your life? Um, so my, my children, they have a calling to, guess what? Be a son or a daughter. Be a son or a daughter means to, well, at the very least, it means to obey and respect your mom and dad. It also means that I have a certain relationship. I, I, I have a belonging inside this family. And um, there's all kinds of certain values inside of our family. And the sons and daughters should understand that like we're going to receive these values and so when mom and dad tells you stuff to do there's something there's there's, there's something else going on but um you know that's a really powerful piece of calling inside of your life so what you have is bracketed a calling of someone saying follow me but at the bottom it is disruptive even to his own family there's something even inside of his own family that they find this they find this very challenging. They find this very disruptive. And I want to just, just, let's just stop here for a moment. Um, in, in this society, like, you know, there's a lot of people in this room, they're Asian. And, you know, Asian society is a highly, it's not individual oriented, right? It's not like a, you're an individual and whatever you, fulfills your, you know, you know, what floats your boat is going to make your life special. That's kind of like how America is. But in a lot of Asian culture, that is not the way it is, right? You have a calling to belong, and you have duties. <laughs> okay, I mean, in America, we love rights, rights. But um, 
But in Asian culture, uh, the word rights is like, that's, that, that's not that word you hear all the time, right? The word you that's much more important in, in, in Asian cultures is duty. <laughs> it's duty, by the way. And um, when you go to, to the Bible and you're, you're, you're walking in this culture, like this Palestinian culture, I'm telling you, you didn't have people constantly asserting their rights. <laughs> you had people telling you your duties. And here is Jesus. He's a part of his family, and he is doing things that his own family <laughs> thinks, what are you doing? You are, I don't know what you're doing. Are you, it's embarrassing, or are you just completely crazy? It's, it's, clear, it's breaking the callings of his family the claims on his family. And um, in, in this, it's not just some kind of historical event, like, uh, Jesus, you're doing something weird. Um, it's really, whenever Jesus does something in the Bible, I mean, Jesus did like a thousand million things. Why are these things recorded? Because what there's something of God's wisdom and truth that's being imparted through this simple, you know, these seemingly very simple, because in this society, what is the normal thing um, that you, when you walk around life, what has a calling on your life that you would say, this is the highest thing? This, has the, this is the greatest claim upon me. Everybody knows, unless you're completely, purely sociopathic, psychotic, and you think that you listen to yourself and only yourself and nobody else has any kind of important claims on you. If you're that way, Sooner or later, you'll probably end up in prison or, or, um, or in, in, in a psychiatric ward or something like this because somewhere along the line, you will begin to offend everybody around you and probably at somewhere along the line, we'll, we'll probably lock you up, right? Or everybody will just hate you. But every normal person knows there's some kind of calling and claim upon you. And in this society, you know which one that is? It's family. It's family. It's the, it's the biggest, most profound Powerful claim. And so when Jesus comes into the picture and he comes into your life, guess what? He's disruptive. <laughs> whatever is the highest claim in your life, the priority in your life, whatever one you think that is, doesn't matter which one, in this society, it's clearly family. It may, maybe in your life, it may be um, your career. Maybe it's your career. All right? So um, some of you, when you're young, you'll think it's my family, but then when you grow a little older, you won't think of your mom and dad, you'll think of your kids. Maybe it's your kids. So these are some of the most common um, highest claims and highest callings. So it starts off, it seems like a simple thing, he just calls. And everybody goes, well, I don't have any callings, I'm just me. That's not true. Everybody has callings. Somebody has called you, they know who you are, they call you, and then they want some claim upon you and said, join this thing. You're a part of this. If you're going to be a part of this, these are some of the things that you have to obey and go along with. Hello. And then be a part of it. If you don't have any calling in your life, what, what, what are you, an ant? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> what are you, just some fly just floating around out there? Even a fly has callings because they belong to a colony. All right? Everybody has some kind of calling and claim on their life. But in this passage, and then whatever it is, and then you have it inside your life, there are multiple callings. You have more than one calling. And somewhere in your mind, one of those is the biggest one. And whichever one is that biggest one, they can trump the other ones. So for in your life, 
let's just say uh, it's your career, and then so you think it, what your boss wants from you is more important than what your wife wants from you. That, that might be the case, right? But maybe it's your career, and therefore what your boss wants from you is actually not the most important thing. What you're really trying to do is like saying, I'm going to use my boss to advance my career because my boss isn't that important. My career is important. You hear what I'm saying? You getting what I'm saying? Some of you are like, it's, 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 I'm supposed to be a student. So let's just speak a little bit to, your younger, um, to the younger ones. My, the, the, the biggest claim and calling in my life is to be a student. And so you, you're, one, you're, you're a good student. Okay, you're, you're good. And so um, you care about what your teacher thinks of you. Okay, but some of you are a little bit more savvy than that. You don't actually care about your teacher because you're, what the thing that matters is for your, you know, your student career to advance. So you're using your teacher. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> you use your teacher. So you, know, you have to kind of like, you know, like tell white lies. I'm, I'm sure you know, none of you, nobody in this room tells evil lies to your teacher, right? Right? Okay. <laughs> nobody does that, right? Right? So you, you tell little white lies to your teacher because your career has a greater calling. But one of the, the questions I want to ask of you is, if someone else comes into your life and then they expect that their claim on you, their call on your life, has to be bigger than whatever it is, you know what? That subverts the, whatever your, your paradigm is, isn't it? So let's just give you an example. I'm, so we're not talking like, let's not be religious here. Let's just be people, okay? Let's just talk real life. So you think maybe, let's, let's just say, some of you are like, okay, so maybe none of you are into, um, uh, so your career is going to be the thing. For some of you, it's money. It's just simple. Out of the career, I'm going to get money. Okay, fine. That's a, that's a common thing people want out there. But some of you, it's not even money. It's like my name and my worth. <laughs> so you're willing to like, have, make very little money. I mean, like anyone who wants to go to Hollywood or be a rock star at the beginning, you know, it's, not, it's clearly not about money. Right? Not at the beginning anyway. Maybe later on it'll be about money, but not now. Right? Because your name and your talent and your worth is important. So, um, so for you know, a lot of our college students are here, but we got a few. But uh, this is a common thing in college, and then it's it's more common again when you get in your twenties. But um, you you meet somebody, and then you know you meet a really pretty girl, right? And um, you ask her out for coffee, and amazingly she says yes, right? Somehow she says yes, and then while you're hanging out with her, you're thinking like, gosh. I really, really like her. It would be so great if we could go out, right? And then you ask her out again, and you could tell she likes you. <laughs> you could tell she likes you, but then she goes, I'm sorry, I don't have time for a relationship. I have to think about my career. <laughs> Does this ever happen to anybody? Does this ever happen to anybody? All right? So, like, so, like she thinks you're cute. And you know the, your jokes are flying, or at least she, she pretends anyway. <laughs> she pretends your jokes are worth it, and um, so this this coffee seems to be going well. But then she drops that line on you. Oh, I'm sorry, you know my I have to get into graduate school because my career is more important. Well, what, what's happened? You're giving by the date. Okay, 
Uh, do you guys call it that anymore? A date? OK, I, I'm, I'm so old. I don't know if they even call it a date anymore. It's a date, by the way. OK? All of you guys are like, oh, we're just being friends. That's total garbage. That's not true. OK? That's a lie. It's a date. OK? Let's just be totally real. It's a date. OK? You know, a guy wants to have coffee with the girl. Oh, he's just her friend. No, that's not true. OK? Like 98% of the time, totally girls, it's, 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 a, it's a date. OK? Let's just let you know it's a date. Right? That's a date. And, and so you know what the guy's doing and the date? He's calling her to, would you make some priority to potentially, like, maybe we could have a thing, and you could be, like, maybe my girlfriend, and then maybe my lover, and then, I don't know about the marriage part yet, but at least let's do, let's just, you know, let's, let's not jump off the deep end. Let's at least go into those first two things. And you know what she's doing? She, when, when she says, no, my career is more important, she's rejecting that calling. <laughs> That's the drama. Oh, you're like, oh, this is just some religious thing that's going on here. No, no, it isn't. We're talking about something very deeply human. We're talking about something very, very deeply human. I mean, you're, what are you going to be, just an ant? And I'm, okay, I'm just an ant, and I just collect the, you know, the, the whatever and bring it back to the, the, the colony, and that's all I do, and then I die. <laughs> right? No. Human beings have callings. And we hear some of them, and we respond to some of them. Now, Jesus... You know, like if you think, okay, ladies, let's say, you know, your career is going to be so important, and that really cute boy asks you to coffee, and then he asks you out again, and then he asks you out again, he's subverting your calling. You get it? <laughs> he's disrupting. He's undermining your plans. He's undermining your priorities. And now, in, in general, you're like, well, that, that kind of thing could happen. Now, you know, some of you ladies, you might be thinking like, you know, my highest priority is to, like, you know, find the, the man. You know, like, that's my, my thing. So if this happens, it, nothing's being subverted. Everything is, like, on track, <laughs> right? Unless, unless you, you know, after the third day, you're like, this guy is a total loser. I don't like him, right? Now, now that's a problem, right? But there's no subversion happening there. It's all on track. But, but um, uh, here's, here's the part where I want to talk about why Jesus is always a subversive calling. You know, we're all lost, <laughs> We walk into the world, and we do exactly what his family does. Whatever we think is most important as a calling on our life is just whatever, you know, you just live in the world, and the world has all kinds of habits. This is important. Do this. Don't be like this. Be like this, etc. And then inside here, we kind of navigate and figure out which one, this one will be the most important one. And then, you know, and then you, you start working too many hours, and then your wife starts getting really angry because, you know, your, your child... Your child is flunking out, or like you know they're doing drugs, and you're like you're ignoring them. <laughs> so your wife gets really angry, and so you know what your wife is doing? She's demanding the highest priority. That's what's happening. <laughs> but you know what? Here's the thing with Jesus: we, you can kind of get that. Oh, there's this tension between work and and maybe my family. My wife is calling this thing. But you know when Jesus comes in and he calls you, this is the audacity of this person. He's always saying, "I'm higher." <laughs> That's what he's saying. Your family? Nope. Lower. If I call you out, we're going to go out there, and your family gets really angry, hey, follow me. That's what's happening inside this passage. You know these guys that he called? 
I mean, they're going to go do crazy things. They're going to preach. They're going to cast out demons. I mean, I mean, that's a kind of a strange thing to be going out and doing. And you're going to spend a lot of time with this strange person that his own family thinks is nuts. But here's the thing. They actually obey. That's incredible. But you know what's always going on? This drama inside these verses, 13 to 21, is the drama of your life. You know what Jesus is? Jesus is God come to earth. Jesus is God in the flesh near, near you. I mean, we could say God is like far, far away. Okay, that's mostly how we tend to think of it. God is a really big man in the sky. You know, like uh, I, there was a comic strip that was really popular when I was in college. If you guys don't know it, you young guys, it's just, that's just because you're, you're terribly ignorant, okay? You, you should go find this comic strip called The Far Side. It was, it's, it's like one of the most brilliant comic strips ever. But it was, oh, they, every now and then he'd have God in the comic strip. And he'd have like this gloriously looking like grandfatherly person with like light shining off him all the time, right? And like he'd have like, God playing Jeopardy or something. Like, it's weird, right? But like, that's how we tend to think of him. He's like, it's like a hilarious thing because that is how we think of God, like way up there, grandfatherly, light shining off of him and far away, right? Like there's a distance. But Jesus is God near. Jesus is God in the flesh. And this drama that's happening here, guess what? He calls, And he's always disruptive. Whatever your plan is, whatever your agenda is, whatever you think your highest thing is, you know what Jesus is saying? I'm bigger. Follow me. That's what he's saying. And, um, you know, it's very, very disruptive. Everywhere people hear about Jesus and everywhere they respond to Jesus, you know what happens? In those societies, just crazy stuff starts to happen. Whatever the power structure is of their time, it starts to get unfurled. And you know what? Families don't like it. Governments don't like it. The rich people don't like it. You know what's happening here in the Gospel of Mark? Jesus comes in. He has a calling. Crazy stuff starts to happen. The rich people don't like it. The powerful people don't like it. I, I talked about two, two, um, two, um, two weeks ago, the political power structures start to break up. That's, that's what happens when this king shows up. And, you know, when he calls you, he's going to expect you to follow his values, follow his, your newest identity in him, and then he's going to send you to do things And then guess, here's the next thing that's going to happen. This is really important now, is some people are not going to like it. They're not going to like it. And maybe some very, very important people in your life, they're not going to like it. I mean, in America, we're like, ooh, you know, you can't offend those people. But just, just, just just time out for a moment here, okay? If you are a person in a, a Muslim dominant society, Right? So, you know, when my wife and I, we, we have friends who are missionaries in a Muslim-dominant society. If someone of them hears the calling from Jesus, and then they begin to follow Jesus higher than their own family, 
and then follow the values of Jesus and of his kingdom above the values of their family and their society, oh yes. You know what their family's gonna say? You're nuts. <laughs> or maybe we should kill you <laughs> because following this Jesus person is not our way. And so it isn't just that Jesus is considered crazy. <laughs> All those who follow Jesus become like Jesus and they're considered crazy too. That's what's going on. <laughs> That's the drama of this passage. I'm going to ask you this question and um, you're going to wait, let me make one comment and then I'll make a question and then let's go to part two. There's this a little portion here about it. Some of you are going like, does that mean I have to become a preacher and, um, and then like cast out demons? <laughs> um, no. Because there is a calling and then he makes some of them apostles. That's, what, that's the apostle. Apostle is a preacher that has profound authority and then gets to set the agenda for the whole movement. That's what the apostles were, right? Um, uh, last I checked, none, nobody gets to be an apostle. He, he only picked these guys to be apostles. But guess what? There's always calling. And in your life, you may not get to be called an apostle, but you get called to something. <laughs> you get called to something. Proclaim the kingdom at Apple, <laughs> right? Proclaim the kingdom at Homestead High School, right? Love your neighbor who hates Jesus. Maybe your roommate in college hates Jesus, right? Your calling is to love this person this year. Maybe that's your calling. Maybe there you're the follower of Jesus, whatever it is. Can you do that? You willing to follow? And they'll look at you like, you're nuts. You're nuts. <laughs> You're Jesus nuts. Let's go to part two. Um, he calls you by name. That's the next thing that's going on in this, uh, in this uh, passage. So he, he appoints these guys, and then they tell you who they are. This is really important. There's a lot of people who are saying, like, the Bible is just a bunch of myths and legends. False. Okay? False. Myths and legends. I learned this from C.S. Lewis, but not just C.S. Lewis. Lots of um, experts. C.S. Lewis is a literary expert, which that means is he knows how words are used and he knows how there are certain kinds of genres. So he, one of the arguments that he makes about the Bible is, look, I've read lots of legends and myths. In fact, he just absolutely loves legends and myths. And then he kind of created his own, and then we, you know, called Narnia, all right? And it's like, we love it, you know, like... A hundred years from now, you know, people are still going to be reading Narnia. You know that? Because um, human beings love legends and myths. But he, as an expert, said, when you read the Bible, it can't be legends and myths. Not, not, maybe there's some parts of it that have like a, maybe a legendary feel, but most of it's not. And when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stuff about Jesus, it has nothing like that. So when you get to things like this, legends and myths, the actual name of the person doesn't really matter. You can change the name of the person and the story just kind of like unfurls and then you can, there's a certain you know, I, you know, idea inside that story that has to carry on. That's how legends and myths work. But here, this is history. He called certain people and they tell you exactly who they are. This is how they were identified. So there's a guy named Simon, and then later on we called him Peter. Peter, you know, the, the famous Peter. His, his actual name wasn't Peter. Did you know that? That's really, really odd. 
I mean, it's, it's odd. It's like someone calls you, and then they decide to change your name, and now that's your name. It occasionally happens, and, and you're like, that's so weird. It doesn't, it's, it's not entirely weird. Um, you know, years ago in, in the church, there was a guy named Daniel, and then one of the younger brothers in the church found out that he was in the Marines, and so started calling him Code Red. You guys all know that reference? Most of you who are too young don't. So, they, so then guess what? Everybody started calling him Code, and then his name went from Daniel to Code. <laughs> so in, the, in, the, in, this, in this church family, nobody called him Daniel. 90% of the time he was called Code. Hey, Code. Hey, Code. Code. Okay? And so like that happens, and it was, it was, a, it was a term of affection, right? But it was also useful because there were like five other Daniels in the church. <laughs> so which Daniel are you talking about? Code. I'm talking about code. I don't know if that's why. Maybe that's why Jesus changed his name. Because there's another Simon in there. You know, so he didn't have to go, Simon. And then, then they're like, which one? Simon. Which one? Peter. Okay, Peter. <laughs> I'm going to call you Peter. And then, and then, so, you know, that's not his, like, legal name. That's not on his birth certificate. That was a name Jesus gave him. But then there's other ones. Um, James. How do you know which James? The son of Zebedee. That's how they did it back then. The son of Zebedee. You know, today you would say, James, which one? Kim, Park, Smith, which one? The family name. But back then they were the son of Zebedee, right? Zebedee has got to be like one of the most famous fathers of all time. <laughs> we're going to get to heaven and we're like, where's Zebedee? <laughs> Who's Zebedee? <laughs> right? Nobody names their kids Zebedee. Don't, don't do that, okay? Um, it's, a, it's a weird name, all right? Um, John. And then there's this interesting detail. Uh, John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, Boanerges, I don't know exactly how you pronounce that, that is Sons of Thunder. Wow. Wow. Does that mean these guys were really obnoxious? <laughs> James and John, really obnoxious? Or, I don't, that, okay, there's another part of me that thinks that maybe they were really gentle and quiet. And Jesus wanted them to have an impact in the world like thunder. Maybe. Right? So sometimes, you know, you, you, you meet somebody and you know they're scared. <laughs> they're scared kind of people. They're scared, they're passive, they're shy. I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. But somehow, whatever, they followed Jesus and then like got offended everybody else in their family. But Jesus goes, but you, one day, you'll be like thunder. Changes the world. <laughs> Did that happen? Oh, yeah, it happened. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, isn't it? These quiet, mousy guys, potentially. I'm going to change the world. Some other ones. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James. Which one? Son of Alphaeus. Okay. Uh, Jesus didn't change the name of that one. I don't know. He didn't. James, you'll be James, you'll be Jim. <laughs> We just, but we know which one. There's two different ones. One was Son of Thunder. The other one's not. Um, Thaddeus, Simon, uh, the, 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 the one who wants to murder and be a terrorist, the zealot. I told you guys about this. The one that likes, that absolutely hates Romans. And uh, today he would be like making bombs. That's what zealots do, <laughs> okay? Simon the terrorist, 
against Romans. <laughs> Which one? That one. Um, why is it important? One, okay, let me just give you various ones. Number one, it's history. You know, um, 2,000 years later, who changed the world? Jesus and these guys. But now, but understand the Bible is a living word. It's alive. The Bible isn't some dead book. Okay? You know, everywhere where this book goes and you translate into that into their into their language, it's disruptive because the most central person in the Bible is subversive. And he demands all your all your little kingdoms and all your all your callings, I'm bigger. And then, if you follow me, a kingdom will unfurl inside your society, and just crazy stuff starts to happen. Because people get redeemed. People start to obey. And all kinds of stuff start to happen. And then you know what happens? This pattern of the Bible happens again. He calls people by name. I want to say something about this. Um, this is really, really important. Um, Outside of Christianity, people look into the, 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 they think there's a God, and they just kind of think, they have this God, and this God goes, calls people, and these people have to go do this, or whatever, okay? And then they're going to do the incense thing, whatever, okay? And then they just think, all the religions are like that. People outside of, of Christianity, they go, like, Jesus is somehow supposedly God, but isn't he just a man? He's a really good, I'm sure he has good moral teachings because he loved the poor, right? And so that must be really what it's about. But there's lots of other people that love the poor, and their books and their stories don't get banned. <laughs> the most banned story of, of, of all time. That doesn't happen. They don't go around offending people left and right in all kinds of disruptive ways, but Jesus does. <laughs> but you know what? Here's, here's this really important. This idea that there's a God or there's some special teacher, and he just generally sends this teaching out in some people, that is not the Bible's teaching. <laughs> The Bible's teaching is there's an almighty and infinite and all-knowing God. And that God came into history. That God breaks into this world, and he's close. And then he calls people, not with a general calling, he calls you. You know, we sang this song, he knows my name, right? I asked our praise leader to pick something um, that the God who calls you knows you. A perfect song by our brother Andy. He knows my name. Let me ask you this question. A lot of you believe in Jesus. Somewhere along the life, in, in your life, you, you know, you heard, maybe it happened in, uh, in, in church, Maybe it wasn't in church. Maybe just your friend was telling you. Who knows how it happened? Maybe it happened while you were reading the Bible. I don't know how it happened. Somewhere along the line, you heard about this person, Jesus, and you found out that he calls. And when you found out that he calls, you said, I need to come. Did you go, oh, he just has a general calling, and maybe, maybe I will consider this religion. Is that what happened? Is that what happened? Probably somewhere along the line, you didn't think that Jesus was just calling people to believe in a religion and to become good, good human beings. You know what? 
He's calling you. He's calling, he's calling Jeff. He's calling Grace. He's calling which Grace? Which Grace? No. The son of Jimmy Young Moo. <laughs> Jimmy's a nickname. Young Moo Kim. It's my wife's father's name. Which Grace? The daughter, not son, sorry. The daughter of Young Moo Kim. That very, very specific person. He knows you. He knows you by name. He doesn't screw up. He calls you. Now I want to close by talking about this. Can you trust this calling? Is this calling by this person worthy? You know, Jesus is never going to accept second place. You're like, Jesus, I got to become, you know, like super dad, and like my kids got to turn out perfect. So, you know, I got to make sure my kids get straight A's and just knock it out of the park on the soccer field, okay? You know, that's really, really important. And if, and if that happens, then I will have, you know, done what I'm supposed to do, Jesus. So, sorry, worshiping you or obeying you or praying you, I'm going to, that's kind of sort of like fall under the crack of like, you know, making my son a super soccer player and get straight A's and then, you know, get into like whatever, like MIT. All right? So, um, you know what? That's, Jesus, that's never going to fly with Jesus. <laughs> when Jesus comes in, you know what he's saying? No, no, no. <laughs> you're following me. <laughs> no, you're following me. There's parenting, and I have ways that you want to do parenting, but you as a parent, that's lower <laughs> than you as following me. Now, that is a really tough pill for the American that always thinks we're king. <laughs> I'm king, I'm lord of my life, I know what my kingdom is, and then this king, who happens to be almighty God and knows you, says, no way, you can follow me. Now I'm gonna ask you this question. You know why we don't typically tend to follow Jesus? Part of it is because whatever he wants from us just can't, doesn't seem important enough. And then sometimes, you know what he does? Whatever he thinks is more important for you Guess what? It is more important. And then when we argue with him and ignore him and fight him, you know what he'll do? Out of love, he will disrupt and subvert your life. <laughs> That's what he'll do. He will scramble, subvert, and disrupt your life. Saying, hello, you can't shove me back here. You know who I am? Let me say this. If Jesus doesn't bother, interrupt, disrupt your life, you're in big, big trouble. You know why? Because you will be in control of your life. And when you're in control of your life, you will probably wreck the parenting. You'll probably wreck the marriage. You'll probably wreck yourself. Who knows? Or maybe everything will turn out perfect, and you'll just become very, very prideful and alone. And this question I want to ask you, can you trust this calling? Can you trust this calling? Is it worthy? 
So I want to call close with the gospel. Here's his calling. There is a king. Oh, he has power. So you got to follow the king, right? Well, yeah. Oh, he has a kingdom. Is it a good kingdom? Is it a great kingdom? I get the kingdom of Apple. I get the kingdom of, you know, like, get into the best suburb of Silicon Valley. I get that kingdom. You know, like, oh, I know this township, their schools and houses are better than that township. So the kingdom of this town is better than that. I get that. And I get, like, you know, my kids going off to these schools because that king, those schools produce a better kingdom than those kingdoms. I get all those callings, right? You get those callings. Can you trust that his kingdom is bigger? It's greater. More worthy. It's weird. Everybody else telling you you're crazy. They even say he's crazy. Now let me close this way. They say he's crazy and everything according to the world is he is crazy. <laughs> because he's the God one who won't stay up there where everything is perfect. He's going to come down here <laughs> where everything stinks. <laughs> Everything's corrupt and horrible. And then two, he knows you. <laughs> he knows you by name. And yet, he still calls you. <laughs> How do you like that? You know, every little time you looked at porn and every horrible, disgusting thought you ever had, he knows. <laughs> every catty and horrible, disgusting thing, you're at work, you just hate that other woman. Of course, with your mouth, you're like very, very nice. <laughs> but inside, it's daggers, it's murder all the way. <laughs> oh, he knows. Oh, he knows. And he knows you love your kid, but not on Friday. <laughs> Last Friday, you wanted to kill your kid. <laughs> he knows. And yet he still calls you. But then, if you just show up and you're with him, you'll be unworthy. You'll be filthy. You got, you're deaf, so you can't hear him. You're blind, so you can't see him. You're, you're, you've got gross, rotting things on you all the time, so you're gross, you're contagious, you're diseased, you're dying. So you see, you're hearing what I'm saying? Jesus goes into the world. The blind, he heals. The deaf, he heals. The rotting, he heals. He eats lunch with them. He hangs out with them. You know, that's you. That's me. So then, he's going to be with us. He's going to call us. He's going to do stuff with us. Then he goes, you know what? I'm going to have to heal you. Not just with power. Because the worst, worst thing about you is not your eyes or your ears or your skin. It's your heart. It's your sin. It's your pride. It's your wickedness. It's always you choosing your priorities and all these other lesser callings, not the highest one. And so he came so that all our gross and terrible things he can trade. It's called the cross. 
Trade me your grossness. Give it to me. And now let me give you all my righteousness and all my worthiness. Let me give you my kingdom. You know, you don't just get righteousness from Jesus. You get a worthy kingdom. They'll never die. Do you know every work that you give for Jesus lasts forever? Do you know that? It's a heck of a lot better than whatever the heck you're producing for Google. <laughs> be gone tomorrow. The code that you gone tomorrow, they will wreck <laughs> next year. What you do for Jesus will go into a kingdom forever. Isn't that incredible? And he had to pay. So he is crazy. So they weren't wrong. He is crazy. But he's crazy enough to love you and call you. Will you follow? Will you run to him? Let's pray and go to the table of the Lord. Let's pray. Blind and deaf and prideful and so self-righteous. Always filled with our own agendas. We think my career is so important. Heck, we think football is more important. Um, we can barely hear you, Jesus, even though you call us by name. Lord, there are people here in this room listening to this message, and maybe none of them have ever answered the call to you. And today, maybe they feel, they could sense it. This Jesus is calling me. Not just some person. He's calling me. Will they hear you and run to you? Help them run to you. And there's many of us who have heard you and we have responded to your calling and then we forget and then we get distracted and then we just get dumb. <laughs> and then we decide to slide back into the seat of being Lord and Savior of myself, the Lord and Savior of my kids, the Lord and Savior of my career, the Lord and Savior of period, but I guess it's got to be me. But you call us again to follow you, to be with you. We thank you, Son of God, who became king, a lowly king, a gentle king, the close king, the absolutely insane and crazy king, who would choose wretched people like us, it's not simply that you said, hey, I'm going to choose Jesus. No, it's actually before we chose you or we, we responded to you, you called us. You called me. Thank you for calling me and keep calling me. Thank you for calling me again and again when I'm deaf to you. Thank you for calling me when I'm running away. I'm flat out running away, giving you the middle finger. No. And yet you call and you forgive and you wash. And then you give us new 
wisdom and new mercies. And again and again, it is grace upon grace. Thank you. So go to your table now. May we take you into our body. May we eat of what you've done. May we drink of what you've done so that you would be king and Lord and your kingdom would reign in our life. And your call would be the highest and the biggest. And we will walk into shalom with you. Give us this day today as we come to your table in Jesus' name.